from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's a Friday and it's football season, which is a pretty darn good day. Football Friday, if you will. And on Football Friday, just like every other day, we start with number five. NC State is 1-0. Wolfpack beat the Huskies last night. They beat UConn. And uh, first of all, shout out to whoever the play-by-play broadcaster was because he was battling against his voice pretty aggressively. Voice was on the way out the entire game, and he was just fighting it. You know, low temperature of 70 degrees last night in Connecticut. You know, it's that time of the season where the fall weather starts to come in. You're de- you're still thinking it's summer. The allergies start acting up. There's nothing worse. And, I, and, and I'm sure, like, I'm, I'm not going to make fun of the guy because I'm sure at some point I'm going to come in here and my voice is going to be acting up and, and I don't want to set myself up to be a hypocrite. It's nothing worse than knowing you have a big day on radio or a big day broadcasting and you wake up and your voice is just like, nah, I'm not going to come today. Yeah, I'm not, not going to show up. But at least NC State showed up enough to get the win, right? The 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 If you boil down a game day, and this is any game day in any sport, if you boil it down to one mission, mission accomplished, win the game, 24-14 over UConn, would I have liked it to be a bit more aesthetically pleasing if I were an NC State fan? You're darn right. When you bring in Robert and Nye and Brennan Armstrong, Right, who the last time they paired together as play caller and quarterback, they threw for 4,500 yards in the ACC. You want it to be a better offensive, better passing game performance than what you saw last night. And see, that was kind of what I was afraid of going to the game last night was you hear all the expectations of 2021, Robert mm-hmm. and I, Brandon Armstrong at UVA. You just think it's going to be well, they didn't miss a step. Now, I wasn't expecting necessarily like 4,500 yards pace, but I was expecting something better than what we got. You were expecting more than 24 points. I mean, that's just about the average they scored last season. I was expecting uh, to, to I was expecting to see more plays that just looked polished, more drives that looked creative. And we talked about it earlier. Third and short, I, I'm in a love-hate relationship with like mixing up play calls. Sometimes I think you should want to keep it simple. But – there were probably two series, both touchdown drives, uh, where it felt like Robert and I was in rhythm calling plays. Yeah. Where, right, you're getting Jordan Houston involved in different ways. You're getting uh, Brennan Armstrong, play action, quick completions. Right, The, the, the thing Brennan Armstrong, and I, and I can speak on this pretty um, in depth because I was actually in Virginia covering Virginia when they were together at UVA, uh, when their offense is working well, when when Ro- uh, Robert and I's offense is being executed well by Brennan Armstrong, it appears as if Brennan Armstrong isn't working that hard. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying it appears as if he's not, right? It appears as if he's taking quick drops and finding a guy that's pretty wide open and playing catch. And then that's 12 yards, and then it's 15 yards, and then it's a deep ball for 35 yards, and you're in the end zone. And it just felt like they they didn't break a sweat when things were working well. There was a sweat broken last night. Yeah, you saw Brayden Armstrong having to rely on scrambling a lot because Mm -hmm. he had trash at his feet. And also, Also, in my my opinion, if Brayden Armstrong didn't do what he did last night, NC State, I'm not going to say they lost that game, but 
they would have not been able to win by 10 points. It would have been a lot closer. It was successful, right? And and there were a few times I thought he bailed early out of the pocket. But up to that point, it was really the most successful thing they were doing on offense. So I get it. Like, there was a point in time in that game where they said, all right, we're going to have to lean on Brendan Armstrong's legs. I don't love that as a season-long strategy. If you had to do it to win the game, you had to do it. But if you have to do that for every game, I don't like the the prospects of that. Here's Dave Dorn on what it says about Brendan Armstrong's ability to keep getting up after taking those hits. He likes contact. I mean, <laughs> one time he got hit, he was like, where's that guy? I'm going to go run him over. You know, like the guy's just a linebacker playing quarterback. He loved that about him. And so he's a tough dude. And, and our kids will feed off of that, uh, having that kind of guy back there. I hope that when he said, where's that guy? I want to run him over. Somebody grabbed him and said, no, do not. It's game one, man. I love the fire. Run out of bounds. Slide. What number was it? It was number 412. Go find if you If you see 412 on a jersey, you can run that guy over. That's going back to my playing days. If there was ever someone I wanted to hit, do you know what I did? I knew which offensive lineman to give the number to. Right? Hey, Gino, come here. Uh, number 45. Gotcha. Go pancake that guy. <laughs> that's that's all it would take. Oh, okay, I got you. 45, linebacker, I got you. Right? That's what a quarterback does. Quarterback doesn't execute the hit. They order the hit. There's a there's a metaphor there. Uh, offense has to be able to throw the ball better. They have to be able to not depend on, on Brendan Armstrong's legs so much. Just opens them up to too many hits. But, as I said at the beginning, mission accomplished. A win is a win. And remember, folks, good teams cover. NC State just did enough to win last night. Just putting it out there. And uh, and Notre Dame is next. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Number four. We are the four horsemen. Woo! Wake Forest did have a more stress-free win last night, but it was or a less stress win last night, but it was not stress-free. They played Elon at Wake Forest. It was a sellout. Mitch Griffiths seriously announced his arrival as the starting quarterback in the first half and then cooled off seriously in the second half against Elon. First half, 11 of 14, 230 yards, three touchdowns, no interception. Wait, I got got up. There you go. I had to, work, I had to get the whistle ready. That was better. Uh, he also took three sacks, held onto the ball a little bit, uh, in the second half, he threw a pick six, and Elon started that half outscoring Wake 14-3. to That's less good, right? It became another two-score game in the second half after they dominated the first half. And that, to me, is an adrenaline thing, right? Week one, home game, stadium sold out. You have the new flashy facilities. You have the new quarterback who was lighting it up early on. He had a highlight play from Jamal Banks in the end zone. Adrenaline through the roof. Then you go inside. You sit down. You have some orange slices, some Gatorade, maybe crush some Chex Mix at halftime. And then you jog back out, and you're a little less adrenaline. Wore off. You take your foot off the gas. And Elon is a good enough team. If you take the foot off the gas, they're going to catch you. Yeah, shame on me, Tim. I didn't get a chance to watch this game just because I was too focused in on the UConn State game. But I saw the highlight you retweeted of Griffiths' pass mm-hmm. in the end zone to Jamal Banks, put him up 17-0. And I'm thinking, okay. Yeah, I don't have that's to all, Yeah, that's yeah. all I need to see. In the second half, it got a little interesting, right? The pick six is not what you want. 
especially when like when the first half happens the way it does, it pretty much tells you that Mitch Griffiths and that offense, they play up to their ability, they're going to roll. Right. So then it, when you don't do that in the second half, it makes you think, okay, what did you do different? What did you not focus in on? Did the adrenaline wear off, right? Did you think, oh, we played so well in the first half that we could cruise in the second half, and, and that's not how you want it to be. That is a lesson, and you hope it's learned, right? If he plays, if Mitch Griffiths and the offense play the way they played in the first half for the majority of the year, watch the heck out for Wake Forest, right? Sam Hartman who, right? That's how it's going to look. If they take their foot off the gas in the second half or if they prove to be one of those teams like we've seen many different times in many different iterations that can't put four quarters together, then they're going to have some challenges. And more importantly, they'll suffer a lot of heartbreak because they'll get up and they'll lose those leads. They'll be in the mix with very good teams and then slowly fall behind. So you, you hope it's a lesson learned. You hope they'll, they'll you know, pace their heart rate a little bit better in the future but also you see the flashes you see the potential right mitch griffiths put some deep balls on the money he trusted some of his receivers he he made some plays and if he can do that if he can continue to build off of that you know two three years of mitch griffiths might be just what the doctor ordered in winston-salem dave clausen might have more sellouts like they had last night Let's get to number three. One, two, three. Tomorrow night, Battle of the Carolinas. UNC, South Carolina, in Charlotte. It should be a really fun atmosphere. College game day will be there. Eric Church is an honorary uh, UNC captain. Uh, Darius Rucker is an honorary South Carolina captain. I I would love to see like a... Uh, what's it like a Charlie Daniels out there with the fiddles? Like, yeah, let, let's get them out there with guitars and, and see what happens. Uh, but either way, it's going to be a cool atmosphere. Darius Rucker, also the guest picker tomorrow on college game, game day, day and also singing the national anthem before the game. So all happening. There you go. The Darius Rucker bowl. Hootie. What would I say? The Hootie and the blowfish bowl. I remember nah. I said earlier, winner keeps Darius Rucker in their state. Hmm. See, I think I think he's a he's a South Carolina guy, though, isn't he? Uh, he is. I know I mean, his golf tournaments in Myrtle. When you make a song, when you remaster Wagon Wheel, which I think is a North Carolina state song, hundred percent, it's wrong. Yeah, exactly. You got to have some sort of ties to. And again, they were the concert before the Stadium Series game this past year for the Carolina Hurricanes at PNC Arena. So, again, Hootie Hootie and the Blowfish Bowl. All right, I'm with it. Uh, as far as the on the field action. I don't know if, if speaking of college game day, I can tell you this: Reese Davis, who's a part of that crew, I I saw what he said about Drake May. Uh, he thinks Drake May is one of the five or six top prospects he's ever seen Ooh, for the NFL. Wow! Put him in, in in the same company of guys like Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, and Michael Vick. Like that's not that that's Drake May to the fullest hype. So I can tell you right now that game day crew, if Reese Davis, he's the driver, right? He's the one leading the way for the conversation. Drake May is going to get some hype. And, and how he plays in that Battle of the Carolinas that night could decide whether we're talking Heisman, could decide whether we're talking potential number one overall pick, even with Caleb Williams. Uh, the, the hype for Drake May up and down can go a lot of different ways based on how tomorrow night breaks down. Uh, Tez Walker, we talked about it earlier with, with Tommy Ashley from Inside Carolina. I mean, it's ridiculous, but 
the the uncertainty surrounding his entire season doesn't appear to be uh you know putting a, a bow on it anytime soon so i don't expect him to be available so that carolina offense is going to have to be more egalitarian right it's going to be more what i expected to see out of state with robert and i calling the the shots where you maybe don't have a number one you throw it to whoever's open which puts a bit more of a stress on drake may uh drake may is going to have to get through uh progressions he's going to find the open guy rather than oh it's tez walker one-on-one perfect let me look the safety off as much as i can and then throw it to tez walker um I was listening to a podcast with Josh McDaniels, who's the head coach of the Raiders, longtime uh, offensive coordinator slash position coach for the Patriots. And uh, he was talking about what it's like to have guys like Randy Moss, uh, Gronk, now Devontae Adams on his offense. And he goes, I mean, it's kind of complicated, right? Because what he was saying was, if they're getting double teamed, you still have to find a way to get them open, which is the complicated part. The fun and easy part is, if he's ever singled up, if he's ever one-on-one, your quarterback knows that's where you're throwing it, right? Which, as a quarterback, I can tell you, if you have a number one wide receiver and, you know, you get – we never really had the number one when I was in college that you threw to every time he was one-on-one, but we had a jump ball guy. He was my number one wide receiver, and he was 6'2 and could leap. If you ever had a corner that was like 5'9 and they're one-on-one, my decision-making was done. It was just timing now. One, two, three, do-do-do-do-do-do throw the jump ball, throw it up top, throw it deep, whatever it is. It just it, it allows you to, to make a high-level read without any brain power, which is really exciting. That, that without Tez Walker, who would be their number one, he's preseason All-ACC, that takes that off the table for Drake May. Now every completion is going to have to take brain power, uh, which, you know, opens up the – if you're making decisions, you can make the wrong decision. If you're making complicated decisions, you can make more than one different wrong decision. So so we'll see what he's able to, to pull off there. Tariyashi also talked about this week. They've been game planning in the case that Tez Walker does not play. It'd be great to see him play in Charlotte in front of his family. But just in case, they have a game plan. It's just going to be interesting to see who's going to be wide receiver one for Drake May. I'm not worried about Drake May. This is a great opportunity for him playing in front of his hometown he gets to redeem himself in the ACC championship game. And in my opinion, this jump starts the Heisman campaign. If he plays for well, Drake May. absolutely. If he, if he plays well and if he makes like two of those Drake May plays where you're like, how in the heck did he do that? Uh, I think it does jumpstart the Heisman campaign. On the other side, UNC has to get after Spencer Rattler. Um, whether it's bringing pressure, whether it's exotic blitzes, whether it's, it's the four guys up front, whoever it is, they have to get pressure on Rattler. Defense has to get some takeaways. They have to put the ball back in Drake May's hands. You just can't let Spencer Rattler and the South Carolina offense go out there drive after drive and just get a field goal or get a touchdown. I want to see some takeaways from UNC's defense. That will show me that they are a much improved defense from last season. And it's much easier to improve on what they put on on tape on defense last year than it is to improve on what they put on tape on offense. Uh, Let's get to number two. Just the two of us. Starting five brought to you by Window Nation. Number two, Duke hosting Clemson on Monday. Uh, long weekend, right? Holiday weekend. Monday night football for Duke and Clemson in Durham. I said this earlier. I think this is the definition. These two teams, right? Everybody has, when, like on draft day, everyone's 0-0. Everyone's optimistic. Everyone has high expectations. I think these two teams definitely come in with high expectations for their program. And also, 
Like one of them's gonna likely leave with those high expectations, uh, you know, wet blanketed a little bit, tamped down a little bit. Now there is a kind of a perfect world where if Duke and and Riley Leonard specifically play really really well, but Clemson edges them just by having a little bit more maybe uh, depth or, or or high level talent if it's 38 35 or something like that maybe both teams leave a little excited but i actually think in that case clemson would be disappointed in their defense so so it's the optimism train stops for 50 percent of the teams week one and uh monday night is going to be a good example of that uh the other thing i want to point out is is riley leonard we've been tracking riley leonard from the moment the drive as a show came into existence here on 99.9 The Fan. I've talked about this, but I went back and looked at my notes from the first week of shows that I had here on on 99.9 The Fan. And the second show, one of the big questions we asked was why is Riley Leonard in the background? Because when you looked at the ACC quarterbacks all offseason, it was Jordan Travis from Florida State, obviously Drake May, Carolina. Uh, it, it was Brennan Armstrong because he was the transfer. Why was Riley Leonard in the background? And then that was I don't know, a couple months ago, three months ago, whatever it was. Uh, over time, we've seen Riley Leonard, like the little engine that could, just truck uphill in the, the hype train and and the little hype train that could. That, that could. And, and what happened was he's now listed – in multiple different publications as a potential first-round pick slash potential top 10 pick if you look at The Athletic. That's a big difference. That's that's like, be careful what you wish for. I just wanted him to get out of the background. I didn't necessarily need him to move to center stage front with the spotlights on him, singing a solo. Uh, that's a lot. However, if you play well against Clemson, week one, Monday night football, whole world watching, then center stage is where you belong, right? He goes out there, runs for a touchdown, throws for two, limits his turnovers, high completion percentage, at times is the best player on the field. All of a sudden, all of that first-round hype, all of the, all of that rising hype train is completely warranted and not something that I'm looking at going, whoa, where did that come from? That's another point to watch on Monday. Should be very exciting. Starting five, let's get to number one. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. ACC, welcome Stanford, Cal, and SMU to the conference today. The Atlantic Coast Conference now has two Pacific Coast teams and one in Texas. Let me let me get this out of the way. I'm not the first to say it, but I do think it's necessary. I think you keep ACC, you call it the All-Coast Conference. Oh, no, I kind of like the PAC. The, the For Pacific. the Pacific American Athletic no, I didn't even think about the American. Cause, cause I was just right, going Pacific was, Atlantic Coast Conference. Pacific Atlantic Coast Conference, so P-A-C-C. But you could add in another A and just be the PAC. PAC. You want to you know, uh, speaking of consecutive A's, uh, when I lived in Hawaii, 
when I grew up out there, my mom uh, taught at a, a school. You want to know what that school is called? Kaaava. Hmm. Spelled K A. Yeah, I know Kina is what it's called, an apostrophe. K A apostrophe A apostrophe A W A Kaaava. There you go. Have you ever seen the the movie uh, Blue Crush? Probably no. not. You're you're like a child. I'm like 18. Uh, there's a, a movie Blue Crush about surfing in Hawaii. It was very popular, probably 15 years before you were born. Uh, and uh, the one of the the girls in the movie goes to that school. Kaaava. Fun fact for you. So it could be the the Paaak conference, right? Eh? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was a long walk for a short drink of water. Here's here's what we're getting at though. Um, the conference is now unlike anything we've seen in the ACC, right? There's going to be games played according to to some reports between Stanford and Cal and the East Coast teams where neither team will be home. They'll meet in Dallas as some kind of middle ground so the the, the teams don't have to make the cross-country flight. That's mostly for non-revenue sports and Olympic sports. But it, it my the reason I bring that up is because there's unprecedented things happening in this conference, and we're going to have unprecedented solutions. You know, there's going to be solutions that we haven't thought of before. And guess what? Everyone's making fun of this. Let me be the first to say, even I joked about it, the whole like, oh, I can't wait for the uh, Duke at Stanford 10 p.m. kickoff. Act like there hasn't been times where the, the 7.30 kickoff game ends. And you're like, man, I wish I had a little bit more football to watch. Yeah. Now you will. You won't have to go settle for uh, Nevada against San Diego State. You'll have ACC football late at night. So what made the Pac-12 so special, RIP. It's, it's what made the, the Pac-12 Pac after dark. Speaking of that, and speaking of Hawaii, this is the second Hawaii reference in a row. Uh, guess where Stanford is playing tonight? Hawaii. At Hawaii, they're going to kick off at like midnight Eastern time. Uh, it's going to be crazy. And when all this action happened, when the ACC voted to include Stanford in their conference, it was like 3 a.m. in Hawaii, and they actually had to wake up Stanford's administrators to to like accept the invitation. Uh, and, and the players didn't learn until hours later when they woke up and were at, at team breakfast. So it is a – the time zone thing, the travel thing, I think is is a hot-button issue right now. I think when we look back like five years from now, there's going to be some of us that are like, nah, it's actually kind of nice, right? Now there's like, say you're you're just a big fan of triangle football, right? You're just a big fan of, of you, maybe you're a state fan, but you also like watching Carolina. Maybe you root for them to lose, maybe vice versa, whatever it is. You're going to be able to catch like state at Florida State at 730 start. That game's going to finish. Then you're going to catch Carolina at cal and it's not going to start till it's done you're going to have seven hours of football on a saturday night rather than three hours of football on a saturday night and see i was kind of joking around when this all got brought up way back when about how if you need a reason to not go out downtown raleigh hit glenwood here you go nc state versus cal 10 p.m kickoff but again speaking to the younger generation a lot of these bars downtown they're known for doing ufc watch parties for the mm. pay-per-views now this just gives them a better chance to better business to welcome NC State fans, North Carolina fans, Duke fans to have these late night watch parties because the games probably will be ending around closing time at 2 a.m. Yep, if they're on the West Coast. And not every game is going to be on the West Coast, by the way. There's two schools on the West Coast. 
I, that's the other thing I want to point out. Like, oh, the the late night. It's like okay, if if you are Duke, you're gonna play, or you are any school on the East Coast, you're gonna play at Stanford once every like three or four years. Yeah. So so sorry, you have to stay up late once every three or four years. And at that point, we'll start treating those games like Hurricanes fans treat Canes after dark when they go play out west or play in the western part of Canada. You know, it's something that it's kind of becomes a, a joke, something yep. that you can laugh about with your fan base. Basketball is a little bit different. It'll happen more often. But still, I mean, basketball plays non-conference games all over the place anyway, so I'm I'm fine with it all. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.